Section 25 of The Romance of a Mummy and Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Johns, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Romance of a Mummy in Egypt by Theophile Gautier. Translated by F.C. de Sumacrost. Section 25. Esbekia Square. A few minutes later the carriage stopped before the steps of the Hotel Shepherd, which has a sort of veranda provided with chairs and sofas for the convenience of travellers who desire to enjoy the cool air. We were received cordially and given a fine room, very high-sealed, with two beds provided with mosquito-nets, and a window looking out upon the Esbekia Square. I did not expect to find Marlhat's painting before me unchanged and merely enlarged to the proportions of reality the accounts of tourists who had recently returned from egypt had made me aware that the esbekia no longer looked the same as formerly when the waters of the nile turned it into a lake in times of flood and when it still preserved its true arab character huge mimosas and sycamores fill up the centre of the square with domes of foliage so intensely green that it looks almost black on the left rises a row of houses among which are to be seen side by side with the newer buildings old arab dwellings more or less modernized a great number of mucharabias had disappeared there remains a sufficient number of them however to preserve the oriental character of this side of the square above the trees on the other side of the square higher than the line of the roofs are seen four or five minarets the shafts of which, built in courses alternately blue and red, stand out against the azure sky. On the right the scarps of Makaton, of a rosy grey, show their bare sides, on which no vegetation is apparent. The trees of the square conceal the newer buildings, and thus my dream was not too much upset. Being an invalid, I had to be somewhat careful, and required two or three days of complete rest if the reader is fond of travel he will understand how great was my desire to begin exploring that labyrinth of picturesque streets in which swarms a varied coloured crowd but it was out of the question for the time being i thought that cairo more complacent in this respect than the mountain to the prophet would come to see me if i could not go to it and as a matter of fact cairo was polite enough to do so while my luckier companion started to visit the city i settled myself on the veranda it was the best place i could have chosen for even leaving out the people on the square the veranda roofs sheltered many curious characters there were dragomans most of them greeks or copts wearing the fez and a short braided jacket and full trousers cavasses richly costumed in oriental fashion scimitar on the hip conjar in the belt and silver-topped cane in the hand, native servants in white drawers and blue or pink gowns, little negroes, bare-armed and bare-legged, dressed in short tunics striped with brilliant colors, dealers selling kufiers, gandoras, and oriental stuffs manufactured in lions, photographic views of Egypt and of Cairo, or pictures of national types, to say nothing of the travelers themselves, who, having come from all parts of the world, certainly deserve to be looked at opposite the hotel on the other side of the road stood in the shade of the mimosas the carriages placed at the disposal of the invited guests by the splendid hospitality of the khedive an inspector blind in one eye with a turban rolled around his head and wearing a long blue kaftan 
called them up and gave the drivers the orders of the travellers there also stood the battalion of donkey drivers with their long-eared steeds i am told that there are no less than eighty thousand donkeys in cairo that number does not seem to be exaggerated there are donkeys at every corner around every mosque and in the most deserted places there suddenly appear from behind a wall a donkey driver and a donkey that place themselves at your service these asses are very pretty spirited and bright-tempered they have not the piteous look and the air of melancholy resignation of the asses of our own country which are ill-fed beaten and contemned you feel that they think as much of themselves as other animals do and that they are not the whole day long a butt for stupid jokes perhaps they are aware that homer compared ajax to an ass a comparison which is ridiculous in the west and they also remember that one of their ancestors bore miriam the virgin mother of isa under the sycamore of materia their coat varies from dark brown to white through all the shades of dun and gray some have white stars and fetlocks the handsomest are clipped with ingenious coquetry so as to make around the legs patterns which make them look as if they were wearing open-worked stockings when they are white the end of the tail and the mane are dyed with henna of course this is only the case of thoroughbred animals of the aristocracy of the asinine race and is not indulged in with the common herd their harness consists of a headstall adorned with tresses tufts of silk and wool sometimes coral beads or copper plates and of a morocco saddle usually red rising up in front to prevent falls but without any cantle the saddle is placed upon a piece of carpet or striped stuff and is fastened by a broad girth which passes diagonally under the animal's tail like a crupper strap another girth fastens the saddle-cloth and two short stirrups flap against the animal's sides the harness is more or less rich according to the means of the donkey-driver and the rank of his customers but i am speaking merely of asses which stand for hire no one in cairo considers it undignified to ride an ass old men grown men dignitaries townspeople all use them women ride astride a fashion which in no wise compromises their modesty thanks to the enormous folds of their broad trousers which almost completely conceal their feet they often carry before them placed upon the saddle-bow a small half-nude child which they steady with one hand while with the other they hold the bridle it is usually women of importance who indulge in this luxury for the poor fellaheen women have no other means of locomotion than their little feet these beauties as we may suppose them to be since they are masked more closely than society ladies at the opera ball wear over their garments a habara a sort of black taffeta sack which fills with air and swells in the most ungraceful fashion if the animal's pace is quickened in the east a rider whether on horseback or on an ass is always accompanied by two or three footmen one runs on ahead with a wand in his hand to clear the way the second holds the animal's bridle and the third hangs on by its tail or at least puts his hand on the crupper sometimes there is a fourth who flits about and stirs up the animal with a switch every minute decamps turkish patrol that startling painting which made such a sensation in the exhibition of eighteen thirty one passed before me amid a cloud of dust and made me smile but no one appeared to notice the comicality of the situation 
a stout man dressed in white with a broad belt around his waist perched on a little ass and followed by three or four poor devils thin and tanned with hungry mien who through excess of zeal and in hope of bakshish seemed to carry along the rider and his steed i must be forgiven all this information about the asses and their drivers but these occupy so large a space in life at cairo that they are entitled to the importance which they really possess end of section twenty five recording by dion gines salt lake city utah